Hello there! You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. I'm Eli. And we are delighted that you are joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, other than very, very hot, because it's like 105 <laughs> degrees outside, how are we doing today? Doing well. Less than how as I say. Oh I'm my god. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm just now recovering from being melted into goop from the drive here <laughs> so yeah we'll we'll see how well this goes if i destabilize before this podcast is over trouble of an old black interior in your car yep 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 yep. at least we'll have my last my last words recorded <laughs> we'll send them on for and then bottle me <laughs> for, for whatever services we do after this this got dark quick All okay right. let's transition <laughs> into into our uh, questions of the week, which I promise is a lot less morbid. <laughs> if you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during our questions of the week segment, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. So guys, our question this week is just imagine this scenario. You are offered free tickets to any onstage performer, living or dead, in their prime who do you want tickets to see wow right out of the gate hard-hitting questions any industry any industry okay hmm well a good friend of ours recently reposted a tweet he had about uh lin-manuel miranda being the um he said oh he said he compared him to queen Yes. To Queen. Yes. He's this century's Queen, Mm. or the the modern Queen. So, I mean, just because I recently saw that, I mean, I I would probably like to see Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's he's incredibly Mm. talented from Broadway to TV shows. He was on one of my favorite TV shows, House, as a Mm. recurring guest for a number of, uh, for a, a season. Uh, so I think that'd be pretty cool just to see some of, he was just recently released. He's part of this, uh, freestyle. It's on Hulu. I, yeah. like, I gotta watch that. Now. Yeah. So like he has a lot of content that he could be doing. Yeah. I think he's in his prime right now. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Moana. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. we're living through it. Or yeah. So I, I'd probably say I might need to my boy Lynn. My... <laughs> <laughs> I think mine is a little, is, I know mine is a little bit off. It's a little bit odd. So I grew up going to a, what was supposed to be a French immersion school. And so I wound up speaking French a lot. Um, and I'm into French rap. And one of my, fra- my favorite French rappers is Maitre Jim. Oh, say that again. Maitre Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's this Afro-French artist who, he raps beautifully, he sings, his voice is absolutely gorgeous, but I would probably go to see him mm. at concert. I'll, I'll send you both. Some major songs are actually pretty great. Good. That is Eli, the cultured, most cultured of the group. <laughs> by far. By yeah, far. By far. By far. Um, ooh, Lynn's a good one. I, yeah, I recently watched uh, Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. I, I think, oh, my, my actual is probably seeing the original cast live. Uh, of course. Because yes. they're just amazing. I think that's a given for all of us. Yeah. There we go. Actually. So, it, besides that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, just, they're just fantastic. And Lynn is, I just appreciate him as a, as a person. Mine, though, so I don't, I, I've gotten into theater as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. um, and I like music, but I don't like it, like, I don't seek out new artists or anything, I just kind of like what I like, and things will kind of pop up that I really dig, but 
but I really like stand-up comedy. So if I were to go, and both of these guys are still around doing things, but if I were to go see anyone like at the peak of their time, pot, probably Eddie Murphy, mm. like when he was like 22 and recorded Delirious. Nice. Like I can't, it's not family friendly, but it is an ama- <laughs> it's, it's such a good special and it was like, the biggest comedy was until very recently, I think, when Kevin Hart broke a record that Eddie Murphy set for like gates and attendance at a comedy show. Yeah. And so that was like the peak of comedy, I think in the late 80s or 90s, I can't remember. So seeing that and being a part of that crowd, experiencing like the heights of stand up comedy would be amazing. So either him or like, I was a, I'm still like a big Dave Chappelle fan. Um, and like around the time where he did Chappelle show, he had a couple specials like For What It's Worth and Killing Him Softly that were really funny. Yeah. Um, and so, same with him, there are some things there where it's like, oh, that's not, that's not great. But I also not find, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, that's not ideal. But there are some things where I think he speaks into just life yeah. in a way that is actually very insightful. Mm-hmm. And he, some of the other stuff he says kind of turns people away and they don't really hear the stuff that he says. It's like, oh, actually, that's a helpful way to think about things. Yeah, um, yeah. And I just think he's very funny. So probably somewhat, some comedian, more than likely, Eddie Murphy or Dave Chappelle. That's nice. who I want to see. Oh, man, Eli just exposed us. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> you get to, as, as the show goes on, I will come off more and more as bougie, and I don't mean to. <laughs> I really don't mean to. Oh, Eli, what's your favorite food? Oh, you know, I like a nice... Uh, and uh, uh, squid ink pasta. <laughs> I like a nice rosé and brie. <laughs> oh, but actually, though. <laughs> uh, it's already started. <laughs> and I'm like, I really like cheeseburgers. <laughs> and Doritos. They're oh, great. Lord have mercy. So... <laughs> So that is our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit your own question to see just how bougie Eli is, um, again, send that in to our email address. Uh, so we're going to transition from that into our passage for this week. This is a continuation of our Candid Conversation season, where we talk about candid conversations Jesus has with people over the course of his ministry and the impact of his words on their lives. So this week's passage is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. If you have your Bible and aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. Crowds of people stand on the side of a road in Jericho. There is a low hum of chatter, whispers of lepers being healed, paralytics walking, the dead being raised to life, sins forgiven, and the man from Nazareth at the center of it all. In the throng, one man stands alone, trying desperately to not be noticed by those around him. He is dressed nicer than most of the crowd, and earnestly peering between rows of shoulders in front of him to maintain a good look at the road. His name is Zacchaeus, and his position as the chief tax collector in Jericho has made him a despised member of the community. He normally wouldn't dare to put himself in the midst of such a public event, but he had heard stories of this man for some time now. He didn't know why, but he knew he had to see him. He had to see for himself who this man was. Suddenly, the whispers burst into excited shouts as people craned their necks and shove one another to get a look at 13 men walking toward them. Some even cry out, asking to see some sort of sign. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. 
And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Gentlemen, what stuck out to you from the passage and yeah, how the Lord speak to you through it? So as we touch back on Luke again, I realize that this of, of the four Gospels, I have read Luke least. Hmm. Um, and reading this again, I just, and such a long time, after such a long time, uh, one, I realized how powerful and how beautiful it is. Um, and there's this comparison or even... I would say a, a collision of reputations going on in this scene, mm. right? Um, in this, this is Luke chapter 19. So Jesus at this point in the gospel has been forgiving sins, <coughs> preaching, healing, uh, casting out evil spirits, and speaking with just a ton of people, right? Um, meanwhile, Zacchaeus, as you stated before, is a chief tax collector and is publicly known as a, a liar and a cheat, right? He's a sinner. Um, but what's beautiful about God is throughout his ministry on earth is that he's constantly meeting with people who are seen as unworthy in some way um, mm -hmm. and gets other people around him to not only behold how miraculous and authoritative he is um, but also witness that he's someone who doesn't shoo away unsavory or problematic or uh, even untrustworthy people um, right that's God's reputation mm -hmm. um, and so Zacchaeus, in hearing about Jesus, I don't know, maybe he got, maybe like word got around about the parable of the ritual in Luke, in Luke 12, right? Um, but <laughs> Say that again! <laughs> maybe, maybe he heard, maybe like Zacchaeus heard about what had said before, but like uh, some bit of Jesus' reputation had come to Zacchaeus' mind because he wanted to rush up into a tree to see him, right? Mm. He became convinced somehow that Jesus was worthy of being called Lord. We read that he refers to him as Lord. Zacchaeus was willing to change his habits, right? The actions that show he cared, that showed what he cared about in his life. Prior to meeting Jesus, his habits were cheating folks out of their money and hoarding it all for himself. And upon coming face to face with the Lord, he excitedly and readily does the exact opposite of what he's always been doing. It's not just, I won't do sinful things anymore. It's, I will make an effort to correct the damage mm. I've done. Mm -hmm. And that reflects an authentic heart change. He was willing to pivot in a completely new different uh, direction and take on a new reputation and so just like the beauty of reputation and what it means to be known as someone or something um stood out to me mm. um yeah jesus was jesus was and is dope he had an amazing <laughs> reputation and is worthy of praise clearly yeah and, yeah, yeah i think oh sorry charles good i was just gonna say one of the things i was struck by was um i found a a little bit of irony in the situation because if you read the passage as you did Jarrell it, it was clearly there's a lot of commotion going around Jesus there's people following him and 
And so I don't know about you guys, but if there's a lot of commotion around me, I'm focused on the commotion around me, not like the surrounding area. And it says that uh, Jesus looked up mm, and yes. saw Zacchaeus. So there's this irony of like, even it was curiosity, Zacchaeus went uh, and took great effort, right? He climbed a sycamore tree to seek Jesus. But as we, as we even think about like the woman at the well, like that was clearly he was intentionally looking to speak to this woman. Mm. I think he was intentionally, and this is extrapolating a bit, but I think he was intentionally seeking out Zacchaeus. Yes. Um, and, and just like the, the, the truth there that like all of us are actually searching for the Lord and maybe we don't know it, you know, there's a God shaped hole in our heart. Um, but we're actually striving to, to encounter the Lord Zacchaeus in a very direct way, but actually God is always looking to find us and to find ways to reach Amen. us. Even the commotion that the world surrounds us, he's not distracted. He's focused on us and wants to reach us with his love. You better preach on that. <laughs> so good. No, that, like, I'm so glad you said that. As I was reading this, I had a similar feeling about like our last episode about the woman at the well where Jesus arrives at this well at midday, sends his disciples away and just sits and waits mm -hmm. for this woman. Like he had an appointment to like encounter her. And like to both your points, the juxtaposition of the woman at the well being cloaked in shame on the way there and then running back so that anyone who could see her could hear about this man that she had just met, could hear about Jesus. With Zacchaeus, like I was reading through this and kind of as I was like praying through, I felt God put the phrase in my heart that Zacchaeus was seeking for Jesus and Jesus was waiting for Zacchaeus. Mm. Like there was such, to your point, Charles, there was intention with like in the midst of everything else that was happening, Jesus was waiting to look up and say, Zacchaeus, make haste to come down for today I must stay at your house. And it, it does paint this picture of Jesus. It even says in his last, in the last part of the passage in verse 10, the son of man has come to seek and save which was lost, that which was lost. And just shows Jesus's intention in going to that city, all these people. And he's like, I came here for all of them, but in a particular way for Zacchaeus. And in our own lives, in the midst of uh, strife or, or stress in different areas, in the midst of the commotion, as you put it, Charles, Jesus is focused and he's not deterred by that. He's just like, no, I came for you. Um, and in the ways that you think, like you're searching and like see seeking, you're going to say searching and seeking together, and clawing for me, I'm waiting there for you. There's an expectant faith we have when we try to encounter the Lord because he sits and waits um, for us to, to make ourselves available to him. Yeah, and there's another thing I was thinking about uh, is to that point, Jarrell, is um, Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name, right? Mm. Like there's no, we have no history. So there's no kind of ind indication that Jesus knew Zacchaeus right. or had ever met him. There's this random dude in a tree and he calls him by name. Um, and, and it's, what's interesting to me also is that Zacchaeus was happy to welcome him. I think mm. is what receives it says. Him joyfully. Receives him joyfully. So not only did Christ know him, but Christ knew his heart and yep. knew what he needed, which is him. And Zacchaeus, it says, welcomes him into his house. And I, I was struck by that phrase because that's what Christ wants. He wants us to welcome him into our house, which is our hearts. Um, and um, and our response is, is, I think, supposed to mirror to Zacchaeus, to welcome him with joy, to joyfully welcome the Lord into our, our hearts. And piggybacking off of that, uh, just about, I must stay at your house today, I, welcoming, like the house being our hearts, like, 
that's that's exactly that's what Jesus invited him down to do. Like it's not like let me speak with you for a moment. It's like no, let me take up residence with you for a time. Mm. It's like let me let's build a relationship. Let's become close. Like this, it's not just a conversation. God's wanting to have with us, right? It, that's the beginning of it. These candid mm. conversations are merely the beginning of a relationship that will be for the rest of your life. And um, no matter what age you are, it's the way that God interact he's looking to transform the way we interact with him and that we interact with one another and it's by intimately getting to know us and by allowing us to know him right because he's god so he knows us he knows our inner parts he knows our inner workings he knows how we were formed Mm -hmm. but we have to become accustomed to like okay wow god like jesus just invited himself into my home which he has a tendency (laughs) to do coming over for dinner yeah (laughs) sure Yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. Like, he's always chilling at somebody else's home. We know in scripture that, like, he didn't have a, a, a home for himself, a place to rest his head. But, like, the position God put himself in mm. <laughs> to uh, allow himself to be invited into other people's homes was is absolutely fantastic. Praise God. Yeah. I think also it points to the fact that Jesus is a gentleman, right? Yeah, like right, mm-hmm. yeah. he's he doesn't barge into homes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like <laughs> he he's a, he's he's not gonna just show up if Zacchaeus said no. Okay. <laughs> you yeah. know he's he's yeah. go, he wants to be invited in. That's mm-hmm. and this goes to a broader topic of what true authentic agape wow. love is. Um, but like Jesus is a gentleman. He wasn't gonna enter the home. He's not gonna enter our hearts unless we actually give him the space and the invitation to. Nice. Um, but I, I love that point of. He, he puts him in a position to be invited mm-hmm. for us to actually give him an opportunity um, to begin that kind of conversation to have and begin that relationship and the journey of a changed life at the point of that initial candid conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. I was also uh, really struck by verse, what is it, seven, mm-hmm. where it talks about the people responding to Zacchaeus. And it's like, <laughs> but when they saw it, they all complained, saying he has gone in to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. And I've kind of always kind of been reading that in the past, glossed over and like, oh, I mean, sure, that's fine. And I think there's a temptation, as there is with a lot of scripture, to see people responding in a way that like, in hindsight, and with knowledge of who Jesus is, to be like, oh, that's horrible. How could they say that about Zacchaeus? But I think what I, what I was kind of met with in thinking about this was that people saying that wasn't, it wasn't just this vague, it didn't come out of a place of vague dislike. Yeah. Like this wasn't people saying, I don't like Zacchaeus, he's short. Like it wasn't some kind of like bullying thing where they were just like, oh, he's an outcast. Like he had personally oppressed and robbed most of them. Yeah. Like as we see in his uh, conversion at the end, he's like, yeah. if I've taken from anyone, I return it fourfold. And so people responding to Zacchaeus and just like, why has he gone to, to sit with him? He's he's a sinner. It was like, well, that, that was accurate. And it wasn't accurate in a very vague way. It was personal to them. Like yeah. some of them had been mm-hmm. further impoverished by Zacchaeus lining his own pockets with like their working wages. Yeah. And they had every reason to dislike him. They had every reason to... Uh, revile him as kind of the head of, like as a chief tax collector. Like this would have, he would have been seen so much as a traitor because he would also have probably been Jewish. And it's like you're oppressing your own people. Yes. And so they had every reason to dislike him, and yet Jesus intentionally encounters him to make a point about his kingdom. And what really uh, hit me about this was the challenge it is as Christians 
to see everyone the way that Jesus mm. sees them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like there, there's, there's context where people have every reason to dislike Zacchaeus, but the challenge here for them, and I think for us, is to recognize that, and Jesus in his ministry is consistent in saying, pray for your enemies. Like, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. Mm-hmm. And that's so hard to do. And this is a very practical example of that, where Zacchaeus was a real tangible enemy to these people. But Jesus still saw him as someone who needed saving and someone that Jesus says is worth saving. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I was, I was personally really convicted of, like, well, what does that look, what does that look like for me? Uh, do I, I don't have, thankfully, no, I don't really have any indiv- individual enemies that I'm like, ah, you, you're yeah. out for my destruction. Um, but I think for a lot of us, there are institutions and just things that we see as opposing our good that are because of people. Like right now, um, there's a lot of unrest in America uh, along the lines of race. And there are people in the world um, who subscribe to a thinking of white supremacy who would see me and all of us as enemies because of the color of our skin. And it's hard to take on that charge to be like, yeah, that's hateful and that is not of God. But Jesus loves those people. Right. Like mm-hmm. Jesus came and died for those people the same way he came and died for me. Right. And while fighting against those evils and fighting to educate and, bu- and build empathy in the church to deal with it is important. It's also too important to remember that those people were made in the image of God. What they're doing is firmly against him. But Jesus came to die for them too. Mm-hmm. And I want to be challenged to have more of a heart uh, for people like that and to not just say well the kingdom's deserved for who we as christians see as nice people right no it's everybody jesus came for everybody he pulled a guy out of a crowd who had cheated all of them and said for you i came to seek and to save you and i think that's a challenge that we can all take in our personal lives yeah amen that is a challenge yeah but there's reconciliation that comes from getting to know Jesus, right? Like the mm-hmm. way that the conversion that you, you mentioned it in yours, uh, all three of us has mentioned it in some way, like Jesus didn't tell him, he didn't give him a directive to pay all these people back. Mm-hmm. There's like this, um, mm. almost this innate, like he knew he had wronged people, mm. right? And so c- being confronted with God is also coming to terms with your own baggage, mm-hmm. right? It is coming to terms with, oh, i not only am I not good, but I've purposely done things to, to cause disorder or to get advantage over individuals in my life. And it's almost, it's beautiful that Jesus almost allowed him to be made an example of. Mm-hmm. That it's like, I'm going to speak with you while we are surrounded by people. And Zacchaeus, like, meeting Jesus, joyfully receiving him, was free and unburdened from like the idol of money mm-hmm. almost right because that very clearly had, be, had been something that was just taking over his heart and in his mind right but suddenly he's it i mean and he didn't make a small promise yeah to pay people to pay people back four times over mm-hmm. i mean we're also we're talking about the potential of bankrupting yourself potent right yeah. Yeah, like, yeah he's gonna give half his possessions away to the poor like this is someone who is actually being transformed and willing to lead a life where he receives damage for the things that he's done but it's not eternal damage, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus came to defend us from. It's like I'm here to guard, safeguard your souls, which is which is the most important part of mm-hmm. you, right? This there are consequences part, to right? sin, exactly, but, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so, like, be, like knowing God is not like I don't have to. I, I'm not going to suffer anything because I have Jesus. No, you, 
you very well may suffer something on this side of eternity because you know Christ and you will be called to sacrifice things and count the cost of things and and it's for that to be Zacchaeus's reaction to Charles's earlier point like that's the genuine and authentic change of heart like that that's gorgeous yeah mm-hmm. it wasn't like Jesus like so yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, you've met me what, what you learn? gonna do about it <laughs> there's a lot of shekels lying around this house <laughs> some nice silverware right. you got there while well, you descended the tree I heard a lot of jingling <laughs> this fork is heavy <laughs> yeah there was none of that it yeah. was there was a, a free will offering on Zacchaeus's part yeah. to say I, I recognize that there's some wrong that I've done and and I need to write it because I've I've met the face of God, or I've I I realize now maybe he or maybe he maybe the way to say it is like he was convicted, right? Maybe yeah. he already knew because yeah, he was mm-hmm. point he already knew what he was doing is wrong, but he was convicted of the wrongdoing enough to uh, make reparations and rep- and and like repentance, true repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's such there's such fruit in that uh, and such freedom in that for us as well. In that repent, I had a friend once who I was talking to about just like struggling with different areas that I was like trying to let go of and like different sins I was struggling to not fall into. And he said something to me that was just like, repentance in itself is a gift. Like being able to recognize that something is out of alignment with God and then the desire to change it is an act of faith and is leaning on Jesus to like help you to realize, oh, I need to change. Mm. I need to do this differently. And I think, like, for Zacchaeus, like, I, so many times I think we find ourselves, um, when we wrestle with our own personal, like, struggles, wanting it to be kind of like Zacchaeus, where he encounters Jesus, and is like, oh, I'm just going to give all this money back and sell all this stuff, and I'll, like, undo the damage that I've done, and that's kind of it, and I'll just move on. And I think very often in our walks with, with Jesus, it's a much more gradual process, and it's coming back to that over and over again and recognizing Oh, I need to. I need to change this, yeah. and then starting to repair it, and then falling into then saying, "I need to change," and then starting to repair it. And if there's any encouragement to take from this, is that Jesus still, even in that, comes to seek and save that which is lost, and not just one time. Yeah. And so there's a gift in repentance to making those reparations, to restoring what was lost, and to know that Jesus is patient, and it meets us to make those changes every single time that we need to. It doesn't mean we want to abuse that grace and it doesn't mean that we want to take advantage of uh, Jesus' forgiveness, but it does mean that he helps us to lay those things down, to give those things back every time that we need to. And that when we are called to repentance, it's a reminder of just his goodness and we can have faith in that. Yeah, I think uh, this connects to another point, a very minor point that I was struck by. Um, Like this is ongoing kind of um, way that Christ wants to encounter us. Yeah. Um, I would it, the, this story. I think for me highlights the fact that um, an encounter with Jesus can be any time and any place. Mm-hmm. Like this happened in a tree, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and so I think a lot of times people can be like, "I need to have what you were talking about just now, Jarrell." Um, you know, this I have that at retreats. I have that at church. Mm. I have that at a prayer meeting. Oh, uh, you know, I have that in my personal prayer time. And actually. Um, we don't need to be necessarily in any of those places to have that prayer, to have that conversation with Christ, because Christ is going to take any and every opportunity mm-hmm. to reach us. Um, 
uh, to encounter us, to have a kind of candid conversation with us, to transform our lives. It doesn't have to be at these like natural places where we say, oh, I encountered the Lord there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a friend, um, Amanda, who very frequently encounters the Lord in nature. She's walking around and just stops and just is amazed at the creation mm-hmm. of, of God. And that's I'm sure every opportunity that that happens to her, mm. it's an opportunity for the Lord to speak into her life and for her to like reflect on where she is, where she was, where she's going. Um, so that it's just a, like a personal example. It's like it's not these, you know, systems or or places that we would normally say, "Oh, I encounter the Lord there," which we do, and they're important. <laughs> don't yeah. don't hear me wrong. Yeah. And they're very important, but they they God isn't bound by those times those places, the brick and mortar, yeah. or the, the times that this is time is set aside for God. He, he can touch us at any point, yeah. including a guy sitting in a tree. Right. It's like, yeah, it just seems like a, a big like theme to a lot of this is to not put our own limits on God. Of not saying, well, can you really say that guy who like ripped us off? Like, can you really encounter this dude as he's like dangling out of a tree? Yeah. And it's God continuing to break, like to, point Charles really well said of like stop putting our own expectations on what God can and can't do but just put ourselves in a place where we're receptive to wherever he wants to encounter us and however he wants to encounter us I like the both the points about encountering and you mentioning uh, our friend who uh, senses the presence of God in nature Um, and just like understanding that in reading this in modern day times we right like Jesus physically isn't present with us right now right we have the spirit of God in us and and so the I guess one of the hang-ups that I, I think either someone who's new to reading scripture may have or someone who's been reading but is struggling through passages like this where Jesus physically encounters somebody we don't necessarily have that but we're blessed to have faith and we still have experiences with God but they're not as tangible as the ones that you that we read about in biblical history. Mm-hmm. I guess I want each of us to either describe one moment where we've experienced God meeting us in the proverbial tree um, without Jesus being physically manifested there, right? I think for me, consistently, it's been Christian people. I've been engaged. It was at school in a Christian, in a, in a class that, I went to a Catholic school again, and um, I didn't expect to meet God in some of my classes by some of my teachers. It's like, you're teaching me Algebra 2 and Trig. Why why are we talking about God right now? But I met him in my math class. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. And to your point earlier of like not putting a bounding box around God, I think it's like we meet Christ through his body. Mm. Um, and we can meet Christ through his body. And to not brush off an experience or an interaction with another individual, with another person, um, because, oh, well, that wasn't Jesus. No, people can come in the spirit of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, what about both of you? That's a really good question. Um, I think similar to a uh, point that Charles made about uh, our friend Amanda, like I very often, I feel peace in nature that's different from anywhere else, where just being in God's creation helps me to kind of zoom out a bit and gain perspective on who he is. So I think that's that's pretty consistently a big one for me. Um, but it's, to your point as well, I think it's, it is through people. Like, 
sometimes it's like coworkers or my students where like like in seeing like some of my students seeing the way that they support each other uh, and some of them who aren't Christian but just seeing the way that they support one another and like seek one another out is very convicting of like yeah that's that's what Jesus does and like that's how he sees me and that's how I should see them and so it's a lot of it is just yeah through people and seeing how people either intentionally or unintentionally remind me of who Jesus is and the work that he's about just through being compassionate and being someone who seeks out those around them. Mm. I think uh, for me, it's a, it's a little bit of a different um, example, but <clears throat> I was there's this movie called War Room, um, which is uh, one of these Christian films, and it's um, about um, this this marital struggles between a husband and wife, um, and the husband's kind of flirting with infidelity, um, and it's really about the power of prayer. Um, really is what the the movie's about um, but I was watching it with my then I don't remember if my wife and I were engaged yet or if we were just dating um, but I remember watching this movie and watching this man struggle um, with temptation and coming to the realization that like as good as I think I am or as how often or how like I'm not that's never gonna be me it suddenly hit me that like I can and could be that weak and and flirt with it and so uh it wasn't i think it was the lord kind of humbling me in that moment realizing like no you are a sinful prideful man that this could happen and it really impacted me with the woman at that point i think i knew i was going to marry her like and i turned to her and i was like that was that was uh pretty impactful because i never want to do that to you you know what the what happens in this movie i would never want to put you in that situation and i realized and i, and I said i think i can i i could mm. and it was a, a moment of reckoning for me like the lord i think was was talking to me in that moment of watching a movie where it kind of like put me in my place a little bit in a very good way yeah. um to say you are sinful remember that yeah. um you can fall into temptation and and how much you need me um, for in that moment was uh, what I think the Lord was, was speaking to me about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we don't have time, but there, as soon as you said movie, I was like, oh, there's so many movies that very unintentionally like do things that, are, that aren't even Christian movies. I'm like, that's just Jesus. Like, Moana. Moana. Oh my gosh. Maybe, maybe a different episode we it's can just talk about in, just yes. the movies and Christian allegory when they're totally not meant to. Can new we season, though? New yes. <laughs> Done. Done. Yes. Oh my gosh. Coming up soon. Yes. I will, I will just give a teaser. Professor Xavier in X-Men First Class in Days of Future Past has some moments where it's like, that's that's just the Lord. Like that's, uh, nice. it, they're so good. Anyway, we will, we will get to work planning that season. But that is all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can check us out at www.atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you next week here at The Well. <laughs>